This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today is Hans. And Hans, you changed your color right before the show. Uh, it was purple and blue, but then my girlfriend kept saying that I looked like a Jolly Rancher, so I figured it's probably not the... You know, I just gave ammo to the people that comment and, and on this thing, so... No, I was talking about how you look more Hispanic today than Chinese. Oh, why? Because of my mustache? Oh, you went with a red red light instead of a yellow light. Hey, we yeah. got Frank Austin back on the show. Uh, uh, he last joined us for, I think it was the Punisher retrospective, right? We were talking about all the Punisher films and the series. Yeah, the Punisher movies. Yeah, and uh, today we're going to be talking about more horror from 2022. Uh, that seems to be the real trend with this show as of recent. It's just talking about all of these great horror It's the golden age of horror films. Aren't you guys <laughs> excited to be checking all of these out? Now, Barbarian has been held up as like the the champion, probably. I think this movie's gotten the best reviews out of any horror movie that's been released this year. And they've all gotten good reviews. Uh, have you seen any of these direct to Hulu horror films, Frank? Uh, like Fresh or Hellraiser? Oh, Prey. I'm not. Prey. I, I recently rewatched. Uh, no, I, I did see Prey. I guess Prey counts. I saw. I watched Prey. Um, I rewatched the original Hellraiser uh, this week, but uh, I have not gotten up the the nerve to watch the newer one yet. It's so basic. It's so just not Hellraiser-y. It's just like a slasher film, basically. And that's for me anyway. Listen, I've only seen the first Hellraiser movie. And I think I might have seen the second Hellraiser movie. That's not what those films are. Mm-hmm. Those films are very peculiar, weird, um, borderline, indulgent in, in just gore and and not e- gore's not even the right word. They're very me. horny. They're so they, horny. <laughs> yes, yes. That's that's a huge aspect of that. And uh, with this new Hellraiser movie, there's like a girl who doesn't really like. She's not romantic Faith. at all. Yeah, she doesn't. <laughs> she looks just dirty, like she fucking crawled out from an alley. Uh, and she's having sex with some like stud and she's like, ew, what? You got feelings for me? Gross, dude. And that's, and that's it. That's the, that's all it. the sex. And it's <laughs> confined to about six right. minutes of the movie. Yeah. It's about what? 30 seconds at the beginning of the movie. And then that's it. That's all the horny you get. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was a letdown. Um, but we are talking about barbarian. This is a new film from 20th century studios. I fucking, I hate that company's name, 20th Century Studios. Uh, this is from Zach Kreger, who is uh, one of the the members of the Whitest Kids You Know sketch comedy group. And uh, his his previous work includes Miss March. Uh, have either of you seen Miss March? I don't even know what that is. No, it was, uh, it was like a Trevor Moore, Whitest Kids You Know comedy vehicle that I think Fox might have put that out as well back in 2000 eight or nine and uh i don't remember that being particularly good so this is uh this is sort of a second stab at things and i would say it's a much better stab at things now uh, barbarian for what it's worth i didn't know anything at all about the movie except for what you and i discussed over like dms which was like very light about the film and uh i wanted to keep it that way i saw a lot of people complaining about well the third act is is crazy and took me out of it the third act uh 
makes it a completely different film and I loved it. It was very polar reactions to this third act of the film. And uh, I still didn't know anything about it. I sat down and I watched it. And uh, my, my impression of it was mainly positive. Uh, I was not really disappointed uh, by a couple of turns within the film, but more like, oh, that's a missed opportunity. You know, and then I go on to Letterboxd and I see that Hans just adores this film. Uh, Hans uh, <laughs> is, is uh, you know, he's such a critical guy, this Hans. Hans, what you, in your own words, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what did you think of this film, Barbarian? What did you say on Letterboxd? I said that uh, uh, modern horror, it's in a very sad state. It, this movie is the one that's getting all the praise. Something along those lines. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, what was your what was your problem with the movie? Modern horror uh, is in the toilet. Yeah, is what yeah. you said. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True. Uh, For something I, I as just... predictable and dumb as this to get the praise it's getting. There it is. Yeah. So I just like it. I, nothing was surprising. Everything was very uh, telegraphed. I guess is that the right? Yeah, telegraphed. Mm -hmm. um, Hans, here's a little trick. You could just say something, right? And if you sound confident in saying it, people just assume you mean like a different <laughs> version of. I'm just word. trying to think in Spanish first and then translate it. And it's like, that's not the right word. Um, I, I, I just, I guess my issue is that I expect more from these movies than I should. Um, because I've been having a lot of problems with, with modern movies where it seems like they just forget the type of movie they're making and they just become dumb so that the story can work so that the characters can have something to do. They just make decisions that make no sense with what's established in the first 10, 15 minutes. And I feel like this has that a lot. I also don't find redneck monsters particularly scary, <laughs> uh, especially because of, you know, what they did with the Hills Have Eyes. And this is like an even more retarded, he also have eyes family member type of thing that just lives down there and then barely comes out. So I, I was expecting a lot more, even though I, I also uh, stayed away from any type of spoiler or anything because I wanted to go in blind. At first, I thought it was going to be a found footage or like a POV type of movie because a couple of shots that I saw. Uh, but that was just implemented into the story. Uh, I don't think it's it's terrible i just don't like the writing i think the look of it is nice i think there's a lot of really nice shots and i think it's kind of creepy in the atmosphere that it presents especially when they go down there but i hated the writing i hated the dialogue i don't think i i just found out that there's humor in it i didn't get any humor out of that i thought it was all played like straight so that was confusing to me and things like am i just i just don't get comedy anymore either what do you like, mean like as you were watching me? it you just registered all of the dialogue is like completely serious yeah it's like even, that's okay I guess. even though the smash cut to aj in the car with the mm, i yeah I, I i don't know i guess i didn't I, well i wasn't expecting any type of i didn't know who made it I, I guess if i knew that it was one of the whitest kids i might have think otherwise but i thought this was directed by some weird european or something you know because of all you know how those european movies get praised even if it's not that great just because it's like a, oh this is a weird director that lives in a cave and he's been living there for two years and he wrote this i thought this was going to be that type of thing and then it's like oh that's justin long playing justin long that's cool what is he going to do oh nothing all right 
what's the point <laughs> you know <laughs> so uh, i guess my issue was that i was i was just very like kind of bored what what, what is I your opinion of what is the superior justin long horror film is it this or is it tusk tusk <laughs> Ooh, damn uh I've only seen Tusk once, so I don't remember much of it other than the walrus suit. So this one, <laughs> I guess, what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Now, Frank, I want to get your opinion on this film. I have a feeling it'll be a little more generous than, than Hans here. Um, but what was, your, what was your idea of what this movie was going to be going into it? And did it live up to whatever that expectation was going to be? Yeah, I had no idea at all. I I watched no trailers. I had no clue what was going on. And so um, the thing that I, I, I'm definitely more positive about it. I, 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 my opinion like goes up and down over time with this movie, especially depending on like who I'm talking to and what I'm talking about with it, but not knowing anything about it. And then going in blind, the thing I like the most about it is the structure. Um, it's that smash cut is such a fun, weird thing to have happen in a theater full of people where like nobody, nobody, nobody understands what's happening in that moment. And so like then watching the movie, like work its way back from there is, is pretty interesting. Um, there's a lot of things. Uh, I mean, I thought that like Skarsgård was really good. I thought that Justin Long was really good and like did what he had to do pretty, pretty well. Um, so I like the performances. I, I do agree that like the writing is sort of um, weak in places, especially like the, the, it sounded to me, like to me, Hans, like the thing you were saying is that like, it doesn't have like a, an internal logic about like why people are doing the things that they're doing. There's no, like, it doesn't really make a lot of internal sense. And I, I, I can't disagree, but I was just like along for the ride, especially once the, once the movie pulls that, like, oh, this is a different movie now trick. Mm-hmm. That's when I was real. like, I, I was all the way in when that happened. Like for, for especially like a first time major th- uh, release from somebody for them to be so confident about to, to pull like a very weird structural trick like that was pretty fun. Yeah, that's a very risky move, I think, to completely divert in the second act of your film uh, and take the focus away from who you're assuming is the protagonist and putting it onto someone else. Uh, it works with Psycho. It works with um, Psycho. <laughs> and I, I actually thought it worked uh, quite well here. It, it, you know, it essentially treats the first act of the movie as like a short film within this. And then we're introduced to the Justin Long character. Uh, my problem, I think, ultimately with the film was just not aligning more with that Justin Long character. Like, yeah, you know what? Maybe he did rape that girl. And yeah, you know what? Maybe he's going to throw that other girl off the building, but he's still the hero of the movie. And we're going to stick with him until the very end. Um, I would have preferred that. I would have preferred just like, let's set aside how awful he is. It's his movie. Let's continue with him to the end. But that's not what this was. So I, I, all, all things considered, I just kind of viewed it as like, well, in 20, not even 2015, in 2011, this would probably just be like a standard horror film. There was like a stretch of period, uh, there was a stretch of time from, I want to say like 2009 to about 2014, where there were a bunch of pretty cheaply made horror films that released, uh, like House of the Devil, Innkeeper, Starry Eyes. Uh, there was some werewolf one as well that was pretty decent, all with like relatively small budgets, well done 
if you had stuck this movie in that uh, pantheon of films, I think we're looking at like a, like a 6.5 or a 7. But because everything is so mundane and just kind of boring these days, it elevates the quality of the film. So my sitting down and watching this on HBO Max and having a good time with it, you know, uh, it didn't do anything uh, that I would consider artistically offensive or aesthetically offensive. Uh, I thought it was just an enjoyable horror film. You know, I, so my, my gripes don't run that deep with it. And I'm curious, Hans, if you feel like the context of which this film arrived in is really what your gripe is here as opposed to the film itself. Or is it both? Because, well, the framing of your review is more that you're being critical of it uh, due to the, the context around it. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, I think it's it's more of, of like what I've read about it, about how everything was overwhelmingly positive. So I, I was expecting something that would, I guess, get me more. But but at the end, I, I, I mean, do you go inbred for one generation and all of a sudden you got a gigantic, super strong, superhuman retarded daughter? Well, hold on. Uh, they were trying to set up, I think, like a sequel or something in there with the homeless guy saying, she's not even the worst thing that's in that house, but we don't see what else is. Right. The, but we got to the end, though. I think, right? that was... I think that's about Frank. Oh, I, think yeah. that, I think that that line is about uh, the, the guy. Yeah. Mm. Maybe not. Yes. He's just smelly, just hasn't moved from the bed. He's just shitting the bed. <laughs> and just, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the guy that we're afraid of. Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, it. it I think if if we didn't have a year where every <laughs> streaming horror movie that comes out is seen as a masterpiece, or at least by all of these uh, hacked horror blogs and horror websites that are obviously being paid to publish positive reviews on this very, not this one, but like very mundane, very bland even horror movies that we've seen this year, uh, I, I guess I was expecting more just because of the the praise that it was getting. And I, I thought, I, I, I get the point of the movie switching from one character to the other, even though then we introduce her back in and then we're supposed to still care for her. And then the cops are just like, well, well you're a crackhead, so who cares what's happening to you? Even though she doesn't, like, she's just a little dirty. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, she has a speck of dirt on her forehead. And yeah, it was fucking... it's, junkie yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and and i mean fine she lives in in uh what is it detroit. michigan is it detroit yeah where you know all the houses look like that I, i'm i'm guessing i don't know anything about that place but uh it, it just didn't didn't the the horror elements of it i didn't think they were horror-y enough or i just I, I just didn't care and then whenever there was a decision that would change something or that could just take these characters out of this very easily resolved situation which is i just go upstairs and leave uh it seems like every decision was just made so that we could have a movie and that really bothers me you know when mm. when she's like oh we i have to go back and save that guy i just met even though i've been kidnapped for a couple of days with this weird monster that makes me suck on her milk bottles that or <laughs> you know it makes no sense for me to, to say okay I'm, I'm, you know what i'm just gonna go save that guy that i just met that's kind of a dick you know it, it 
it, it just things like that 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 just don't don't make sense to me. And and I know that that's pretty much what you can say about most horror movies in the history of horror. You know, a lot of things are very convenient. But when something gets the praise that this was getting, I guess I was just expecting a little bit more. And now I feel like we're at a point where it's either elevated horror, which is mostly kind of dull and, oh, we're creeped out because a rocking chair is moving and we're looking at it for 30 seconds and everything is very still. Or we get something like this where it's like, well, we have to become really stupid for the story to work well you have to understand that with elevated horror that rocking chair is a metaphor for the right. patriarchy is for <laughs> male supremacy uh yeah. frank were you saying that zach Kreger was talking about toxic masculinity or something in some interview regarding yeah was, what's it what's the deal with that i was listening to another podcast uh i meant to listen to it a little bit sooner but so i had to try and rocket through it on high speed so um maybe the ideas are not as stupid as they sound i so I, I learned a couple of interesting things about this movie. Um, one is that like he uses a, a Lynchian transcendental meditation writing process. So he intends none of this. Like whatever people read into the movie about like the themes, it's there, but he contends that it's all subconscious. Like he did not, he did not intend to write a movie where um, like a central theme of the horror is that no man listens to any woman. Um, but like, that's a thing that people are talking about. And he's like, I mean, sure, maybe, but like, I didn't mean, I'm, I just turned my brain off and wrote this movie, um, which is interesting, uh, and funny. Um, well, what, what is the transcendental meditation writing process? Do you know anything about that? Yeah. So Lynch talks about it in, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the book. He, he talks about it in one of his books, um, and he talks about the, the idea of transcendental meditation is that you completely turn off your conscious mind. Um, and so like you're, you're operating purely on your subconscious and like it maintains for a while after you've like done this, this thing. Right. And so um, Zach Kreger, Kreger, is that it? Um, says that that's how he wrote this movie. And he, there's like all of these sort of um, through lines in the, in the movie that, he claims were completely unintentional on his part, but appear nevertheless. So like the, the title is a really good example. Um, Barbarian is a, an anagram of Airbnb, just sort of like mixed up and mutated and messed around a bunch. Um, but he didn't, he didn't, he claims that he didn't mean that on purpose. The, the house number is 476 Barbary and 476 is the year that Barbarian sacked Rome. And he doesn't know that he claims he doesn't know that, but like that's in there. Mm. Um, it was very high, I guess. <laughs> it was just yeah, but like, but like high on his own supply, literally just right. high high off of meditating parts. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it it's sort of interesting to to think about that stuff. And it, so it's, it's always funny to have like a director come out and say like, oh yeah, these these things that people are talking about are probably true, but like I didn't mean it um Loris, yeah. um what type of meditation do you use while you were writing mass day lottery <laughs> uh, wow that's, that's a good question i mean most of mass day lottery was just written between you and i riffing in the car so uh, i guess inhaling your farts yeah not, not <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> um yeah you know i i i believe that to a degree i think listen i think he probably wrote down a script and saw a bunch of these things and then 
on a second draft realized certain commonalities and leaned yeah. into it and is maybe erasing that in in talking about it now um yeah all right well that, that, that's interesting I catching guess. the big fish is the lynch book that he references okay yeah uh, i i haven't read that one i i read um so i think he might have had like a biography or something he co-wrote uh with uh some maybe a woman author a couple of years ago that was the last thing i read of him and i know he did put out a book on transcendentalism I don't know anything that's involved in tapping into your subconscious and just letting that take that sounds like it could go real bad if you ask me i don't know hans do you trust your subconscious to no. take the wheel no i don't want that it's gonna be a lot of slurs and <laughs> just <laughs> things actors can't say on the screen <laughs> so no i don't i don't trust that at all that would be a terrible script. you know it might be funny but it's just people just saying slurs, you know, in different situations. Sure. You go to the store and it's just, they, they call the, the cashier the wrong slur, you know, that's, that's the funny. Genius. <laughs> yeah. Genius at work. Uh, Whitest kid I know. There we go. <laughs> well, uh, you know, have you guys seen the, uh, uh Shutter just did a, 101 scariest movie moments uh, something you said hans reminded me of that i've been watching that and uh i you know i have nowhere to go with this particular topic because it did not turn out to be shit it actually was like all right fine maybe i was wrong about that i expected get out to be number one the moment from get out is the scariest movie moment <laughs> but no they they did it the right way you know but here's here's something they do do is they like to load up on Korean films for like the top 10 or 50. Mm. That's that's like the subtle, we're not being overtly woke with it kind of turn is we'll include Train to Busan is number six. Uh, it's not even scary as it's fucking zombies. When was a zombie ever yeah. scary? Uh, you know, something about Barbarian though, I actually disagree with you, Hans, that the horror elements were not handled that well. Uh, I thought... I thought it was pretty well executed in that regard. My issue happened to be with the monster, if you can call it a monster, it's just kind of a retarded person. You know, uh, it was uh, it was long tard. It was it very it, long. <laughs> it reminded me of like an early '90s SNL character that Chris Kattan would play. That's that was my impression of what that creature person was. Uh, anytime it was like the focal point of a moment or a scene in the film when it was featured yeah. too much. I preferred a, a lot more of like, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the Andy Muschietti film mama, but there's a lot of like masking and hiding in the shadows mm -hmm. and scurrying off of the character around the house. And when they would do things like that in this movie, barbarian, I thought it was very effective. And then when she's, she's the focal point, it's, it turns into something a little bit different. Yeah, it's like I, a very Phil Hartman character. Like when he played Frankenstein on on SNL, it's very much. No, wasn't uh, he a caveman? Wasn't he like a lawyer caveman or something? Oh, was that a character? I just remember the Frankenstein. Oh yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, I really like the the when we're when we're sort of like being introduced to the monster. The stuff that you were talking about, Lorez, is like I I agree. It's really effective. Like I was like when the hand like reaches in with the bottle into the hole i was like oh that's so fucking gross and you can like you can like see like the 
the most horrific thing for me the the thing that sticks with me the most out of this movie is when you can see the like hairs stuck to the bottle as she's like reaching it in the thing and Mm. it's like oh that like wet hair stuck to the bottle nipple that's disgusting that's effective horror like that that and then you have oh. Justin Long ruining it, being like, whoa, whoa, what is, <laughs> what is this? What is the, what, what do we do? That's, yeah, I, mm, I don't know. It takes away f- from it a little bit, Mr. Sure. Mac. Do you just right? not like Justin Long? I don't have a problem with Justin Long. I don't have a problem with him. I just, I don't know if, if that would be the, the guy I would have casted on to play the, you know, possible rapist guy. He doesn't seem, I don't know. He doesn't I seem guess like he's a not rapist th- to you? No, he doesn't seem <laughs> threatening enough, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, just, I like, think you can just push him. You can just like. He's so good, though. What, the scene with the fucking tape measure is like really well executed. Like no one else could have done that except him. Like he's he's really good in that stuff. He's really, he he's a, he's a really good foil. Like he, he he's such a good foil that like the thing that you're saying, Lorez, about how like they should have just stuck with him as the protagonist is kind of one of those things for that i agree i agree like if i I think you know writing this movie is one thing right and you want to have like a a horror movie conclusion like a final girl thing um it makes sense but Mm. when you're making it and you see how it like plays out don't you just want justin long to like when he throws her off of the tower don't you want that to work like (laughs) like, it's it's so funny it's such a good it's such a good subversion of even like its own expectations and he's really he he delivers it really well i i want him to win he is the main character of that movie in my mind (laughs) sometimes the main characters die but like he he is really really good yeah, and I, I think he's someone who does. I'll disagree with you here again, Hans. Uh, I think he's great for horror. He's always been good or maybe shined the most in horror films, especially since Jeepers Creepers uh, with Victor Salvo, the mastermind, the auteur, Victor Salvo, Francis Ford Coppola's buddy who he paid all his legal fees, uh, Victor Salvo. So, yeah, I think uh, I think he definitely makes this movie its most enjoyable version. And if you had re- replaced him with someone who's a little seedier, like Tom Sizemore plays the rapist, uh, that's maybe not as fun of a movie. But do you think that's because the main character was kind of not great? The main character is in the girl. Yeah. Because I thought I thought Skarsgård was really good, even though I was expecting him to become the monster. I guess I'm so used to him just being like the weird whatever monster we need is it's him that seeing him play human, I was like, oh, all right, he can actually you know play like a regular guy, and it works. I was expecting him to just oh that that's the evil guy, and that's going he's going to become a, a weird monster all of a sudden, and that didn't happen. But I think. Like, I like Justin Long, but I think he works a lot better just because of how kind of one tone and dumb her her character was, too. So she wasn't very, like, interesting to follow, I think. Well, I don't don't know if it's that she's not interesting so much as she doesn't have too many standout personality traits. Um, and I think the only thing that makes Bill Skarsgård's character 
more interesting than hers is that you're familiar with him as an actor and so you expect him to be up to no good and so when it turns out he's just kind of a normal guy trying to be polite and share this space with a total stranger uh and then winds up getting his head caved in right uh that's subversive and very surprising and you're not expecting i mean arguably the biggest name in the movie to be killed off so quickly so i think that's the only thing there with her character i don't know if she seems all that consistent because at the beginning she's very apprehensive you know she doesn't trust this guy she's very uh, on edge with him and then by the end she's kind of making more and more reckless decisions on behalf of someone she knows even less than that which is the the aj character that justin long plays but then the whole job interview thing like that does not matter at all in the story that's the only reason why she's there right because she's going to the job interview that goes amazing even though we don't see any of it we just see her going like i'm here and then i'm out and that's it so i i guess her her reasons for being there or her reasons for for even become a part of everything that happens here make a lot less sense than you know someone that works in hollywood and just bought this house because he thought investing in real estate would be a good idea and it's a shithole and he has no idea about anything that's going on in the house that to me makes more sense that he would be interested in what's you know, going on there at the basement and and how he can make more money out of this house, especially because he's being canceled, right? Her motivations were just like, well, I'm going to have a job interview and I double booked this Airbnb and now I want to save everyone <laughs> because there's this gigantic monster killing them. You know, that, that doesn't really, like, who we just go, who cares? You've been warned by multiple people that nothing good is going to happen here. So why are you, you know, I guess that that was my biggest issue with her character that her justification for being there is like, yeah, have a job interview. And then she goes to the job interview and it goes well, and then she's still there. And now she has to save them somehow, even though she hasn't shown any type of like physical anything, you know? Yeah, I guess. But that also kind of lends itself to the point that she's not the protagonist justin long is the protagonist and she just so happens to be the main girl of it i mean she she's the survivor she's the lone survivor right. so she's only important in that regard uh but why she's there and why bill skarsgård happened to be there is not necessarily the most important things it's not their story necessarily well i was also wondering if she had a little bit of like inbred in her too because surviving that fall from from that one i was like oh so she's fine she just hurt a little bit even though he like threw her which was the i guess the one comedic moment that i thought was funny or that i i thought oh falling how many stories like five six stories and then she's just like ow you know, on the floor. Well, that, I, yeah, that, that comes into what you said before about there being these story conveniences that just feel kind of like we got to get to the end. We can't really worry about the, the logic here or what the you know plausibility of this kind of moment is. Um, a lot like what you said with the police, where that whole exchange where they're just kind of like going out of their way to just not like acknowledge really anything that she was saying. Um, feel like it feels like a lapse in logic. But um, yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's a horror movie. This isn't Kramer (laughs) versus Kramer. I don't really give a shit at the end of the day, um, so long as it holds my attention. 
And I do think that uh, another strength to this movie is the pacing. It doesn't drag at any point. And that's something that happens with all of the other horror movies I've seen this year. They have, maybe not Prey, even though I thought Prey was a big piece of shit. Um, it was quick. It was like 80 minutes. They were in and out. I couldn't, I couldn't be that mad at it, you know, even if, even if I felt like it was a waste of time. Um, you, you have so much going on with this movie that it makes those conveniences a little bit more forgivable, in my opinion. I, I, I agree. The pacing is pretty good. Um, especially considering the structure of the thing, like, and considering it's so unconventional, I feel like it's really easy to lose people. Um, when you do something like that, you know, uh, I, I heard multiple places and read multiple places, like people calling that, that second act transition Tarantino-esque in the fact that like, not so much that like it's as good as, or anything like that, but just like, it's a narrative device that he uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I was never bored. I am, I, I, I got to admit that like one of the reasons all the horror stuff works for me so well is like, I'm a giant baby about horror. Like I what I get sucked into like the worst horror movie I will watch like in a theater with my hands over my eyes. I'm, I'm, I'm a wimp. And so uh, it, it works for me, but like, yeah, it never dragged. I was never bored. I was never like, um, I never wanted to get up. I never wanted to like, I I saw it in the theater. I do think that this movie in a theater helps it quite a bit this is a good theater movie mm-hmm. um the you really feel the like claustrophobia of all the like interior sort of cave and tunnel shots um and like i, I don't know if i would have had as as good of a time watching this on my own as if i had seen it uh in a theater especially with other people too other people who are mortified at me laughing at justin long throwing tests off of the tower like <laughs> like i <laughs> like a, a, a theater full of people gasping and me just fucking busting a gun <laughs> no one else thought that was as funny as i did but uh it was seeing it in a theater especially with a bunch of people like uh opening weekend ish was really good now i think this movie's performed pretty well at the box office and it had a second wind as soon as it hit hbo max where i saw that conversation got started reignited uh like it had just come out in theaters again so I feel like there's a very good chance we're getting a sequel to this or a prequel. Or they'll go with a prequel knowing today's, uh, you know, MO as far as horror goes. It'll probably be set during the 90s or something. You'll probably get like Chris Cross in there. Not Christopher Cross, but like the cool rap kids from the early 90s. Uh, yeah, so I mean. A pearl, a pearl, but with this girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, that, that's, well, that's made, the trend, right? He made $40 million in the States. So it's definitely getting something on a budget of 4.5. Yeah. That's a really good return for them. Yeah. So that that's going to be a slam dunk. Uh, Good for Zach Kreger, I guess. Uh, Frank, did you happen to see Halloween ends by any chance? That was another. No. Damn. All right. Well, I I would love to give you another opportunity to talk about it. Um, (laughs) We're planning a, I want to do like a mega show on those new Halloween on the Halloween trilogy that just came out. Because I feel like there's just endless conversation to be had about those movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm way behind on those. I would rather read John Carpenter interviews than like see any like Halloween remakes, pretty much. And every mm-hmm. time there's a new Halloween, there's a new John Carpenter interview, and it's always great. Yeah, he's doing something for 
and maybe this already happened, but isn't he like narrating or doing commentary or, or like Joe Bob break style something on Godzilla films? Hmm. I was dude. Yeah. Hans, do you know anything about this? You want to look this up real quick? I'm pretty sure I saw some sort of report. There's going to be like a, a marathon or something with him chiming in about the importance of Godzilla. I had no idea that he even liked Godzilla, but yeah. Um, Month Masters of Monsters. It's a marathon on Screenbox. What's Screenbox? Screenbox is one of these shutter offshoots. I, I'm pretty sure that they got the um, documentary on Stephen King's It, the 1990 miniseries that took seven years to produce and was just kind of meh when it came out. I, I might oh, have that wrong. It happened already. It was on the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth today. I guess tonight was the last one. Uh, marathon screen box, blah, 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 blah. yeah. He was doing commentary on, on those. Uh, <clears throat> would that interest you at all? Do, do you like the Godzilla films whatsoever? Me, yeah, yeah. I Either grew up on that yeah. shit. I, I, uh, I told you a very lame story about my camera. Oh, yeah, Godzilla so Wednesdays, like 20, Godzilla Mondays, have, you and your friend we would have. Yeah, me and my friends would come over on Tuesdays and we'll have Monster Tuesdays and we just watch monster movies. And I was like 20. So, yeah, I, I grew up in those in those movies. Yeah, you were like 20. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more like 30. <laughs> I was like, grow, grew up on those. That's like this 21 year old. Yeah, I grew up. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, you know, I would like to see John Carpenter take a stab at directing one more film. I think he seems totally disinterested in anything other than music these days. Video which, games. Video games. loves he, video games. He's a gamer. He's a big gamer. Likes video games and basketball. What is what does he play? Uh he'll 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 he basically every interview he talks about a thing. I think it was like Halo was his way in or something like that. He was playing with his his grandkids or his kids or something. And now oh, he's God. just like He's just a gamer, a full-time gamer. That's like when I discovered video games is Halo. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, he would have been I like remember when I 50. I tried to make my dad play Call of Duty, I think, and he just couldn't understand how two analogs work. So mm -hmm. the whole time he was just pointing up and going in circles. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is like a generational <laughs> gap there. <laughs> Evidently <laughs> not. John, John Carpenter fucks around with video games, you know? Yeah, he's older. But yeah, my my Mexican dad couldn't. His last video game was like an Atari or something, I think. So two analogs couldn't understand the concept. Sure. Um, and as far as other horror directors go, then uh, what do, what is your taste typically like, Frank? I I love John Carpenter. I just um, I rewatched the thing recently. Um, the the other big horror for me like this season was rewatching Hellraiser again, which I still mm. think like is it's 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 very cool that Clive Barker directed the first one. Um, I don't think that anybody else really could have done it, and I think that like somebody who's not really like much of a filmmaker doing their own story is how we got something like Hellraiser, something so weirdly like psychosexual. Um, I I do like I mean I like Ari Aster, but I think the formula is sort of. Uh, disappointing at the at the moment like i'm not very interested in whatever comes next i i did enjoy like midsummer and hereditary um but yeah for me it's more classics like uh carpenter's one of my favorite directors period and uh i'll just rewatch some i'll just rewatch horror i don't 
I don't usually expose myself to much new horror stuff. Um, I haven't seen X. I haven't seen Pearl. Uh, I haven't. (laughs) Some people I know like insist that Pearl is like one of the best movies they've seen in years. Um, Should watch more movies. Did you see Pearl, Loris? Yeah, I watched Pearl. I wasn't impressed. Uh, And I I've been a big Ty West fanboy, but these movies just don't do it for me. We've Um, been asking for him to come back, and then he puts this out, and he's like, "Oh, never mind. Go back to yeah. Go go back to directing TV shows. (laughs) Yeah, go back to directing for Fox. Yeah, that wasn't good. Um, I've been I've been digging into Toby Hooper's filmography uh, as of recent. I just rewatched for like the first time in about fifteen years the Fun House which is uh, kind of similar to Barbarian in that the monster of it is actually just someone with like a birth defect, you know, very insensitive to people with birth These defects. These ableist movies. They are. They <laughs> truly are. Uh, Hans, you want to pull up the monster from The Fun House? This was uh, quite an enjoyable feature. And then the day after I watched it, Cinema Speculation, Quentin Tarantino's book comes out, and he did a chapter on this movie. It's so peculiar. Yeah. So this guy was just trying to get a hand job. He came too quick and he freaked out and killed the gypsy whore. And then the dad found out and the dad got mad. And then the nerd stole some money and then he killed everybody. He had to kill everyone because he just came a little too quick. It ruined (laughs) the whole night for everyone. That's the fun house. So this movie is enjoyable. The Frankenstein mask that he wears for is also kind of weird and aesthetically disturbing. How wide it is, so oh yeah, off-putting. I like that. Um, and I was also watching the old Universal monster movies, which I I didn't intend to do, but I started like browsing through the satellite channels, and I ran into Cozy TV or whatever the network is. And they happen to be playing all of them, the original, including Dracula without the Philip Glass score, which is the only version of the movie that I was acquainted with. And I just marathoned each one of those uh, classic films from the 30s and 40s. And that's more or less how my Halloween viewing went, um, which, you know, not not too shabby. I've still been on a horror kick, though. I just keep continually watching. The, I watched Blackenstein yesterday. That was not as good as The Fun House, unfortunately. I think I might be tuning into Blackula tonight. It's all on Criterion yeah. Channel. Shouldn't you be moving to Christmas movies now? Right. Ooh, now, you're talk- now you're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah, Frank, didn't you like co-sign some tweet that like Stan or somebody put out that said he would, would trade a Halloween? Oh, yeah. Get rid of Halloween for two Christmases. Fuck yeah. yeah. Stan <laughs> is absolutely correct about this. I love I love I love halloween movies and halloween's fun and all but give me two christmases anytime anytime yeah i'm just about ready well no i want thanksgiving i want to eat i want to glutton out gain mm-hmm. 10 pounds maybe <laughs> and then i'm i'm up for christmas uh you know what is a christmas movie and a horror movie is mass state lottery coming Ooh. soon to a theater near you hopefully actually uh the news on that is the movie's gone out to my composer tonight to do a complete fresh one over of the entire sound. So we're that much closer now to having a presentable film for the public, uh, which I'm very excited to hopefully do soon. Um, but yeah, uh, Christmas films, I enjoy a good, I mean, that's how this this exchange here started, right? It's the family man and the weatherman. Family so man going, and weatherman. We're going back to Jump Street uh, <laughs> and turn that into an annual viewing. 
I just ordered, as a matter of fact, a Christmas story on VHS, mm. on an MGM giant box VHS, because I'm back into this habit now of collecting videotapes. You're the dragon here. Hans, I know. Do you get number, do you, do you get number two on VHS too? Oh, have you guys seen the trailer to this sequel? I haven't yet. All right, so Christmas Story. I I enjoy Christmas Story. I don't know if it's you know like top two for me. It might be top three or four. I think It's a Wonderful Life is my number one mm -hmm. Christmas film. Frank, what is your number one Christmas? Christmas film? Story. All right, good, good. Yeah. That's that's a good acceptable backup there. Um, they did they did uh, two sequels already to a Christmas Story that exist in two separate timelines, right? And the first is, I think. I think it was uh, like Our Family Summer or something. And it had one of the Culkin boys. In it. They made it in the early 90s. I think Charles Grodin played the father in it. I forget. what That is not the title. It's something very similar to that. Hans, just Google yeah. Christmas Story 2. No, sequel 1994. Because they did put out A Christmas Story 2 in so 2006 or 7. Yes, My Summer Story. Um, you can pull up a poster to that or something. Yes. Have some visuals for the patreon.com slash low res $5 tier. Uh, and then they did the, because Dark Knight made a whole bunch of money. So they were like, you know, we can just use that billion dollars to greenlight a bunch of pointless sequels. And Kieran Culkin is in it? Yeah. Yes. Look at that dog. <laughs> Look at that dog. That dog was not there. That is a Shutterstock dog. If I've ever seen no, it. that's Wishbone. He came back in time so that he could be in my summer story. Oh, I've never sad. seen this. That's not that's... a bad cast if you're doing a sequel without the original cast. Kieran Culkin, Charles Grodin, Mary Steam Bergen. She's a hot old lady. Yep. She's always been hot and always been yep. old. This Wishbone right there. Yep. Oh, you, you've never seen this, you said, right? No, I haven't seen it before. Did you see th this one? Uh, we tried watching. No, no, no. This is not the right one. This is from this year. So oh, when we were doing right. filming on Mass Day Lottery in November, I remember we were watching bad movies, and somebody put this on, The Christmas Story 2 from 2007 or 2008, and everyone gradually just left the room. <laughs> which uh didn't make sense because Oof. no nobody had anywhere to go or anything to do but everyone just left it's a different house... type of horror movie yeah yes <laughs> and uh, i think they got daniel stern to play the father in this one and a kid who kind of looks like ralphie it's not the worst visual casting choice and uh, if you want to just pull up a poster to that real quick Hans. i got the trailer it's funny oh the trailer you're treating us <laughs> the most beloved Christmas story of all time. And this holiday season, Ralphie is back. Ralphie? 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 Now he's a bigger kid with an even bigger wish. Holy jeez. A Christmas story too. The official the fuck that car. The <laughs> tradition continues with all your favorite characters. Randy. Zerg's minions are everywhere. I just can't trust that son of a Ralphie's best pals, Flick and Schwartz. Oh, yeah. I remember that this just felt like a, a fever dream, right? Because yeah. it looked like they did the uh, Star Trek Vaseline on the lens effect, but for backgrounds only. Only. In an all new heartwarming movie. I want to see what it's like to be on the wheel just once. To brighten your holiday. This holiday season. Can I get a slinky? A slinky? 
You waited two hours in line to ask for a bed spring? The fun is just beginning. Babies will hire anybody on Christmas. He just looks miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that they started by saying the official sequel? Which is not like a comedic thing or any like they they're trying to maybe erase the legacy of my summer story as the sequel. <laughs> no, this is the official sequel. It has nothing to do with I think uh, what was the writer's name? Gene Stapleton or something? I don't I don't know. I don't remember. Um, well, it is called the Christmas Story Two official official sequel. sequel. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, if 2022 is anything to go by, this is not the official sequel. We have the official sequel with the original Ralphie. He's come back. Peter Billings, who probably hasn't acted in 37 years, right? And uh, he just looks not camera ready. He looks like not someone who should be on camera or leading a film. Uh, but he's in this movie, and he's the star of this movie. And there are no other stars. And the movie is called A Christmas Story 2. Christmas. Christmas. The next thing you know, you're a certified adult. Ralph, dear old man. He was the best. Ralphie, promise me we're going to make this a wonderful Christmas that would make your father so happy. Oh, God. Oof. What had I done? And now it was all up to me? That's his mom. She's like six years older than him. <laughs> oh, legendary is putting this out. This is amazing. Incredible. We will meet you right here when you're done. Don't let him kick you in the face. Huh? It's the half, half You know, I will say, though, I appreciate the fact that he actually just looks like a normal old dude. And isn't like a Brad Pitt 35 year old looking 50 <laughs> year old man. He was thinking of someone with a very cold face. Yeah. The fact he's very Chinese for some reason. He can't be that old either, right? Like, so he, he was probably like 10 years old in a Christmas story or something. And that was 1980s, what, one, two, three? He's got to be only about like 55, but he looks like he's pushing 70 almost. In a world where the jackass movies exist why do you need to do that slide stunt in cg yeah. cowards just put someone in who will do it for real just cast steve as a child and yeah. let him do it <laughs> so yeah. this is this is this is on the way i guess in the next month or so i'm a christmas story christmas okay november 7th oh damn that's right around the corner tomorrow uh why why do you guys think it's so difficult for modern day christmas movies to grasp what old christmas movies still mm. like for them to still be relevant you know those movies that came out what 40 years ago uh and i don't even know if they still well obviously they still do but what's the most memorable christmas movie that came out in the last 20 years is there any what about that ben affleck james gandolfini rom-com christmas film Mm -hmm. I, I think it was saving know. christmas or something what about those tim allen movies from 30 years santa ago? claus did, did either of you guys see i can tie i can bring it all back to horror did either of you guys see rare exports yes uh 2010. I, I actually have not seen it um yeah that's a that's like a i that's sort of like the last 
of the horror Christmas crossovers that I can remember seeing. And I saw it right when it came out and I've watched it one or two times since then. Um, but it's from uh, Jalmari Hellander. Yeah. Um, and it's based on a, a short film from a few years before. Uh, and it's, I mean, I, I liked it. I liked it enough to watch it a couple, a couple years. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's been like another good horror Christmas crossover in a while. Was well, they tried Krampus, doing that Krampus right? movie, right? Back oh, in 2012 yeah. or 2013 or so. They pulled the rug out from Kevin Smith because he was going to do a Krampus movie and they beat him to the punch. So that I was probably, that. I mean, but has there been like any just normal Christmas movies that have been released in the past, I don't know, 10 years that have had a lasting imprint? I try to watch like at least one or two new ones every year. I think that like the, was it Netflix did that Klaus one? Um, oh, right. oh, yeah. yeah. That thing's pretty good. It's yeah. good. Yeah, it's it's a totally solid Christmas movie. Um, Have you seen the Kung Fu Panda holiday? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's a th- I think that that's a thing is like so many of them are so specific. Like so many Christmas movies, they just like, it's, it's stuff like that. It's like a Kung Fu Panda Christmas movie. It's like, uh uh a Medea Christmas movie it's like a it's 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 a really specific audience that they're trying to target or um you know it's a streaming service movie and streaming service movies like that I think that's a big part of it right is that like streaming service movies don't have like that like theatrical Christmas release that like get mass market penetration the way that like we're we're used to with like Christmas movies when we were growing up I don't know. I mean, Bad Santa and Elf were like the last real, like, full cultural zeitgeist Christmas movies, I feel like. Yeah, maybe just Hallmark Channel or was it TV Family? Whatever Candace Cameron Burrell, whatever her new last name is, uh, she just founded some, like, family network. I think they have the market carved out on doing, like, 12 Christmas films a year. So, uh, yeah, but uh, on Netflix, too, especially, it seems like they put out films that look like that. Um, and you'll see the posters to them too. Sometimes if you're browsing like YTS.MX, you'll yeah. see like the most Hallmark looking fucking movie, but it'll say like Netflix at the bottom of the poster and be like, wow. It's just uh, about two very successful people that go back to their hometown to rediscover themselves and they fall in love with the girl from the coffee shop or whatever. And That's right, yeah. It's always yeah. a very cute, adorable story. And hey, they wind up together in the end. Against yeah. all odds, they wound up Drink, together. Drinking cocoa in front of a Christmas tree. Yeah. You uh, look like you could be doing that right now with that red light on your face. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. You could be in flannel pajamas right now, Hans. We wouldn't know. If only you knew. I never wear pants. Uh, there's an Elf Buddy Christmas musical that came out. They went no. back to that well. What? They did another Elf. Is it? It's animated, it's, right? It's animated, yeah. Yeah, there we would have heard about that if that that'll happen. It'll happen at some point. Will Ferrell's career is is it needs something? It needs a a boost. So he will oh. he will return to what made him what he is very soon. Oh, uh, no. I did see Bad Santa one and two for the first. I mean, I I watched Bad Santa when I was like very young child i think it was like a 12 year old child that's not that young of a child um and then i rewatched it just a couple of months ago and i was like yeah this is good but this is mainly good because of like bernie mac and john ritter 
Um, and then I watched part two and I was like, part two might to a point anyway, be funnier than the first one. Mm. And I, I don't know. I thought Billy Bob Thorne was better in part two. I thought the jokes for a while anyway, kind of falls off in the middle, um, hit better or, or a bit funnier, but maybe overall the first one is, is the best of the two. Have you, are you guys familiar with, familiar with uh, Jingle Jangle? <laughs> Jingle Jangle? It's a, it's a Netflix movie starring Forrest Whitaker and Keegan-Michael Key and the uh, Felicia Rashad from uh, Fresh Prince. No? Felicia Rashad from Fresh... You mean the Cosby show? Oh, right. The Cosby... Jesus. <laughs> Listen. She played his wife, right? <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> Listen, uh, she wasn't all in the family. Wait, no, what's happening? What was that show? You know, that's all right. I had a moment today because I went to a museum and I was like, I saw Chiwetel Ejiofor, the actor, and I had to like analyze this guy from multiple angles. Be like, that's Chiwetel Ejiofor, right? I'm not being racist right now. If I just thinking this guy looks like Chiwetel Ejiofor. It was Chiwetel Ejiofor from 12 years. Is that how you say his name? I don't think that's how you say his name. Chiwetel. I don't know. (laughs) So I ran into Chuetel Ejiofor today at the Whitney Museum. At least I said Felicia Rashad's name properly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's play this tra- jingle jangle. You, you high praise from Hans. So let's see what the fuss is all about. Okay, hold on. I'm just Forrest Whitaker. What did? What are you? Where? What? Why is are you having a str- Are you okay? I, I, I just is that. His point, the point of his career now, where he's doing Christmas movies for Netflix. Well, a lot of these, a, a lot of theater. these reputable actors have newly dipped their toes into this market. Um, I know Kevin Dillon from Entourage is a big, big guy in this uh, direct-to-streaming, direct-to-DVD mm. field, where he's just got the supporting role carved out for any Bruce Willis or Mel Gibson or John Travolta uh, action film. There's one that just dropped recently where Mel Gibson plays like a shock jock and oh, yeah. one of his callers has his family being held hostage and Kevin Dillon just shows up for five minutes. He does in all of them. All right, let's, let's take a look at Jingle Jangle. Once upon a time lived the greatest inventor that ever there was, Geronicus Jangle. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas indeed! Jangle, for the last 30 years, You've been promising something sensational. I need more time. I could come up with the money. So his character name is Geronimus Jangle. He's Mr. Jangle. Because he's boss. <laughs> Doesn't this look like... Do you remember that Dr. Parnassus or whatever movie that... Um, Mr. Megorium's... No, 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 no. Megorium? What? There were, well, was that the one I'm thinking of? The one that had a... Uh, this big actor Dustin Hoffman yeah 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 that's the one that's just this is just feels like that but it's like swapped that's just a Wally ripoff yeah if I have that toy is there anything that Keegan Michael Key will not do. <laughs> I see him popping how, up in so many things. How depressed must he be that, you know, he got the, anyone who, all right, so listen, when it comes to these comedy groups and duos, whoever gets the head start mm. always winds up in the gutter. 
And that was Keegan-Michael Key because he hopped out of Key and Peele first and he did a bunch of movies and he was in that Chris Gethard movie that was kind of okay. And it seemed like he was the guy and everyone was like, Jordan Peele, fuck. I'd hate to be Jordan Peele right now. And now nobody won't shut, nobody will shut the fuck up about Jordan Peele. Nobody remembers Keegan-Michael Key. He's doing these films. He was in The Bubble, Judd Apatow's The Bubble, the worst oh. film I have seen this year. Also a Netflix I movie. I haven't dared just because why would you? Similar, <laughs> similar. The Keegan-Michael Key, some would say, of Come Town is Stavros Halkius. <laughs> <laughs> he hopped out. He got out the boat first. He, he had his YouTube special that got a million views. He's very popular right now. But let's see. Let's just fast forward 14 months and see what things look like. The Adam Friedland show has been syndicated. <laughs> HBO's picked it up. Uh, I've been really enjoying what him and Nick have been doing with with the remnants of Come Town there and evolving that into what it is. I think that's been really fun to see them forced to change things up and and get creative with it and put their their money to use. So we'll see. We'll see what who who rules the day at the the end of the day. I'm sure um, Stavros is going to go back to his advice show very soon. You know, that was very popular during the pandemic, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll find out, <laughs> won't we? Uh, so, yeah, Christmas films. It's a bad time for, you know, we were complaining about horror movies, Christmas movies. It's real rough going for that genre. Um, Hans, do you, do you have any uh, Chris? I know you're not a particularly religious mm -hmm. man. But do you have any Christmas favorites? Yeah, Home Alone 5 that I just realized exists. What the fuck? How Didn't they just Home redo Alone? that this year? A Home Alone? I think for Disney Plus, there's a Home Alone movie that dropped. Oh, is it with the Will Smith's kid playing the Home Alone kid? No. Playing Home Alone? <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows Home the kid's Alone. name is Home Alone. <laughs> um, no, it's some some boy who actually looks like Ralphie from A Christmas Story. I think he was like oh, a British kid. Home Sweet Home Alone, it's called. That's wordy. And uh, yeah, uh, it's got uh, uh, Rob Delaney, who got a career out of Twitter. Remember that guy? Yeah. Went to, yeah. Went to England and got a couple of shows. Uh, it's got Buzz in it, so that's cool. Buzz? Your the first movie? Woof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's not the same kid, so what is he doing around? It's like a Mexican boy. Why? Because he's fat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> this kid is clearly English looking with those ears and the rosy cheeks. Uh, I just want to see Buzz, what he looks like. Now. Oh, he plays a cop. That's Buzz cool. was in Blue Ruin. Buzz is, has like a legitimate Dude. acting career. Does he? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Blue was... Ruin came out like ten years ago. No, but it's really fucking good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was in um, that Soderbergh film that just came out on HBO Max this year that Zoe Kravitz starred in. The name is escaping me at the moment, but I think he plays like a conspiracy theorist in that movie who turns out to be right and kidnaps her or something. I don't know. It's been a whole. It feels like a year since March. Kimmy. Um, Kimmy. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. That was him trying to do like Hitchcock, but with a computer. You know? It was all right. It was fine. Soderbergh. Yeah, he's he's very he'll have one good one for two duds, I think. 
I don't know. But that that's hardly like one of the more egregious direct to streaming films. He at least was trying something a little different there. Speaking of which, <clears throat> we saw that uh, you know, there's gonna be a new spawn movie coming out. This is this is exciting stuff. Mm. Uh I've been I've been highly awaiting some sort of update with this spawn movie. Uh, Frank, do you know anything about this Spawn movie? I'll let, I'll let you know what I can find out. Uh, oh, yeah, a good buddy of mine is on the, the writing team for Spawn. He's in, uh, his name is Matthew Mixon. He is, he's been grinding in Hollywood for a few years now since he left Portland. Um, and seems like it's going to be, pr- I mean, at the very least, the, the stage they're in right now where they're just like working on the script and everything. Um, Todd McFarlane, seems very involved uh and could be very could be really interesting yeah you know he was originally he really wanted to direct there's no there's no regular clive barker yeah regular clive barker but uh not sure uh who they'll who they'll end up but apparently i think jamie fox is still attached to the project Mm um i don't know once i once i whatever i learn i'll let you know please do yeah no they have a very good uh team that yeah. were on board helming the film. And, you know, not that, because I, I, I actually was not pessimistic when it was originally announced, Todd McFarlane's going to write and direct it. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. You know, like, like you had said earlier, you don't often see someone d- creating the material and then adapting the material into film. That rarely happens. That That is, for the most part, uh, like one in a hundred. So I was kind of curious to see how that might look. And I, I also feel like, Going from comic books to film is not as big of a leap as being a novelist or something and hopping into that medium since you're essentially working in the same capacity. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if, if, if it would be best for him to direct, especially since you have like such a talented writing team there. Like one of the guys uh, scribe Joker or, or co-wrote mm-hmm. Joker. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm very optimistic about where that's going to head. Jamie Foxx is going to be like 60 years old by the time this movie fucking comes out. But uh, I think he's a terrific pick for that. And um, I don't know. I think I think we're overdue for like a good, not DC, not Marvel comic book adaptation yeah. that can be serious and not bound to this idea of extended universes or tying into some some other film that's only vaguely related to it. And you haven't gotten that. You haven't gotten any like adaption, adaptations of something like a V for Vendetta or Watchmen or Road to Perdition or any of these movies that dropped now two decades ago. Um, so we got Sandman, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, this is, this also kind of brings it back to a horror thing for me where like, I'm always, I read a lot of horror. I don't watch a lot of horror movies, but I do read a lot of horror and I'm always surprised that like, um, there's a lot of very good modern horror writers um the laird barons nathan ballingrads there's there's a bunch and uh i just picked two guys with b names for some reason uh it's but they're especially like um western like american horror right now is in a really good place like you can pick up a a short story compilation and like you know be afraid to sleep for a week and i'm always it's it's really interesting that those guys don't get adaptations that a lot of the stuff is more like it's made from the ground up to be a horror film when there is so much like good horror being um written uh you know barker had to do it himself with hellraiser but like 
you're i'm surprised you know like a24 is so option happy like they should be you know get off twitter and read a fucking book like there's tons of that stuff out there like there's 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 so much good horror being written right now and uh you know similarly to the comic book thing there's tons of there's tons of cool stuff that people could be adapting but we're just mm-hmm. stuck in mass culture shit yeah it Bloom seems House. like Bloomhouse should do that because their writing and their movies are Jesus. It's usually fucking the worst part of their movies. I was going to say, it, it seems like if you're a, a more recent novelist and you, you happen to uh, have a successful horror novel or something along those lines, uh, you only really get optioned for a feature now if Stephen King gives you the okay or gives you the green light. So obviously... Joe Hill has had a pretty consistent career in having his books adapted. That's his son. But also uh, Paul Tremblay, who's an author, has a film adaptation coming out that M. Night Shyamalan has uh, directed. So off the top of my head, it's like that movie and Black Phone are the only horror movies that I've seen, or at least taken note of, that have been based on uh, literary properties that have come out in like the past 15 or 20 years. It seems like they're not that interested. Yeah. They're too concerned with what people are already familiar with or what can be, what can maybe fit a mold of what the expectation is from somebody like uh, someone like an A24 crowd. I I wanted to mention this because we're talking about Spawn. Uh, I started watching this series again. It's, it's on HBO Max, and mm-hmm. it holds up. Uh, it's it's not as I guess as well drawn as I remember it because it <laughs> is kind of sloppy at times. But it feels like I guess what it was, which is a completely different uh, generation of animation, right? Because MTV mm-hmm. was trying to do something different and show like this dark. It was that and was the other one the max aeon flux i think was another one right yep uh and just like it is a little bit corny but the fact that it's still very dark and it's it's the way that it's treated is is way different than the type of animation that you see now uh where it kind of got me excited into seeing it on screen especially after what happened with the last movie you know it's kind of nothing happened it's a playstation one nightmare (laughs) that's just called aging all right it isn't it's as enjoyable as it ever was that's my official review of spawn 1997 (laughs) Uh, i revisited the animated series about a year or two ago maybe a little longer than that actually uh whenever i first noticed that it happened to be on it wasn't even hbo max at the time i think it was hbo plus or i don't know whatever the hbo hbo now i don't know i don't remember what the original version of it was and uh my takeaway was very similar to that my my sole exclusive um method of watching spawn was in 1997 or 8 they would be packaged as movies on a videotape they would sell the entire season edited into one feature and i only had the uh the 90 minute or so um, PG-13 version. They put out mm. a PG-13 version and a rated R version. And the rated R version, you were getting like the whole season. PG-13 version, you're getting some a little more kid-friendly. And I remember one time, I wanted to see what the difference was. So I, I rented the R version from the video store. And my mom didn't know any better. You know, it's an animated series. And I remember putting it on and uh, seeing that there was a lot of tits and fuck and, you know, all, all this stuff. And I was just... <laughs> 
suddenly very red faced and watching it with like the door mostly shut, which I never <laughs> did with TV shows. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the, the series as a whole absolutely holds up. At least the first two seasons do. I can't speak to the third, but I don't know. Um, this is not really related, but yeah, go ahead. It, it takes what the Batman did with the darkness of it, right? Like the Batman, it's kind of dark, but it's still within, I guess, the confines of what's acceptable for an animation at the time. Sure. This kind of took it a little step further, more like, well, these are not the DC comics that your dad told you about. You know, there's a little bit of hell in this and there's some titties and there's some murder and there's going to be blood. So a little bit of hell. I like yeah. it. A little bit of hell. Uh, on a similar note to this, actually, now, thank you, Hans. That's a much better segue now. Uh, I am, I'm really at my capacity with how comic book fans or Batman fans more specifically have been holding up the animated series as like the de facto Batman, the Batman to end all Batmans. Frag, you're shaking your head. What do you what are your thoughts on this? It sucks so bad. I love the Batman animated series, <laughs> but I'm with you. It's yeah. let it go. Let it go. You know, I, I got this book, uh, Batman 89, and I'm gonna do like a separate video. I'm probably gonna put out on YouTube and talk about it a little more in depth. And the first thing, the first strike for me was seeing that they did Billy D. Williams as Two Face and gave him the blue face from the animated series which I think was only done because you couldn't show like a gory red half melted face for, for a children's show. And I was like, oh, okay. And then the suit is that, and then Batman's got the white lenses. People, and it, it always bothers me too. You know, I would used to go on, I used to go on the message boards when I was like 12, 13, 15, 28, 29, 32. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, people would go, hey, there you go. Hans has a visual. Uh, up of Billy D. Williams as Two-Face in this graphic novel. And uh, people would always go, who's the best Batman? Is it Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Christian Bale, or Kevin Conroy? And Kevin Conroy, first of all, shouldn't even be included in the poll, but wins. Same with, who's your favorite Joker? Mark, Ham Mark Hamill wins. Do you so have I, a problem with that? Because Kevin Conroy could never fit a Batman mask on his gigantic head. <laughs> <laughs> they tried doing it. They tried doing it with that Flash TV show. They did their Flashpoint or whatever, and they couldn't commit to putting him in um, the mask. They gave him like a vest or something to wear. Oh, so, no. Hmm. Oh, that looks so bad. Hold on. I'm yeah. And they made him grow a beard, too, to hide that growth above his lip. Oh, no. <laughs> That's Batman. So this is the version, and I, uh -oh. yeah, it, it's, I guess, pulled from Bruce Wayne and Kingdom Come, the uh, Alex Ross graphic novel. It wasn't yeah, good, that's, obviously. Yeah, that's what you want from your Bruce Wayne, just a frail, just... <laughs> older man that needs an armor i guess to walk around i know nothing about this i mean you could make show. it work you could make that device work mm -hmm. yeah but. i think it's just a matter of the budget the costume design and i mean i can't even really say for sure the casting uh because you didn't really get a fair fair shake at it um but yeah this is not good and he's not He's not Batman. Sorry. Listen, I like. I'm with you, Frank. I like the animated series. I watched it a fuck ton. Uh, it's a great childhood memory. People trying to make that the standard for Batman 
when there has like as if there hasn't been a million other incarnations that have been the same level of quality is i think childish it's infantile but do you think they actually watched it though or is it more of like well i'm supposed to say this because everyone loves that series you know because no, i feel I th- like every i think every they, time- i think the majority of people saying it watched it and just can't get over their childhood but every time i rewatch anything from my childhood i feel like it's a mistake mm-hmm. it's always like oh no this is actually terrible <laughs> why did i even ever, ever like this thing so Whenever something like that pops up and everyone praises it as like the, the greatest or, or whatever, I wonder if it's just your memories or did you did you watch that last night and you were like, oh yeah, this is the you know the dark night I like. I mean, it, look, it, it's a good piece of like procedural animated series, comic book work, right? But it, it's still a children's show. It's a kids show. You can watch it right now and you can probably enjoy an episode and not. Uh, be put off to that but it's a kid's show that's that's what it is you know there's also uh this is canon i only discovered this recently because of twitter suggesting a tweet to me and i was like what is this all about so i guess paul denny or whoever did the animation for that the designs decided to uh write within the lore of that some comic book where uh it kind of explains the beginning of the Killing Joke animated movie, which is not in the timeline of that, but it's very similar. This uh, Batman and Batgirl relationship, right? And uh, apparently, this is news to me, Batgirl used to get fucked by Batman, and then she was dating Robin, and then Bat- Batman was fucking her while Robin was away on duty and stuff, and she got pregnant with Batman's kid, and Dick raised the kid. So isn't that great? They share the same... So world. Alfred didn't get any... Poor Alfred. Alfred's a gay man. Come on. <laughs> you think a man would be that dedicated to another man for 50 years? Please. Yeah. yeah. So that Batman 89 book, big time disappointment. And that was from Sam Hamm, who wrote the script to Batman 1989. Very That was the sole reason why you got it, I'm assuming, right? No, well, it made it feel a little less fan fiction when I was eyeing it, you know? And I think if you have some of the original components there to just build some sort of thread, uh, it doesn't feel like something you might be um, bastardizing in in somebody else's hands. Like, um, I don't know, a lot of people, the easy comparison are like the new Star Wars movies or whatever, because it doesn't have George Lucas's involvement to any capacity. Maybe you could say that, but I think you have to have some sort of creative through line from where you started and where you wind up for it to not be that. And yet it feels more like fan fiction than anything else I've read from that. Fucking Robert Wall popping up on the Flash show is Knox feels more legitimate than that book on my shelf over there. So yeah. this is this is an old man gripes at children's <laughs> books. That's our new segment. Um anyway. Christmas movies. Christmas Kids movies. Books. That's right. Batman Returns, great Christmas movie. Mm. In Bruges, uh, great Christmas movie. Are, are you going to be seeing that that new one he just saw put it. out? It's, yeah? How is it? It's perfect. Uh, I Yeah, I, I, I would sort of struggle to talk about it and stop at any point. It's, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty attuned to both of the McDonough brothers tastes. Like I like, I like most of what they do. Like even the stuff that like people don't like, like war on everyone and seven psychopaths, like I think is funny as shit. 
but uh, oh, seven psychopaths is great. Yeah, yeah. But Banshees of Inisherin is uh, it's a pretty perfect movie. Um, I think that it's going to do really well. Like, I think it's an awards movie for sure. I'd be surprised if it doesn't like uh, get a few big nods. But it's it's a great movie. It's fucking genius. Yeah, the trailers to that have been uh, very amusing. So I am going to be checking that out as soon as I can. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, didn't he? He got a bunch of last film that got a bunch of awards. Three billboards yeah. was three bill three billboards over Ebbing, Missouri, which uh, a lot of people kind of retroactively, I think, talk that movie down a bit. But I remember quite enjoying it when I had watched it, enjoying Sam Rockwell in that film especially he won right he won best supporting for that i think he did or he was at least Uh, nominated yeah he was definitely nominated i'm not sure if he won maybe Uh, he did francis mcdonald and sam rockwell won yeah he was nominated for best motion picture of the year for woody harrelson got a supporting nomination music and screenplay yeah oh and editing it was 2017 and i remember the exact same thing that you do lores like uh everybody was real big on it right when it came out and then for whatever reason like over time it sort of like dropped in people's estimation i still think it's a very good movie i don't think um i don't know this this is something different this is very uh contained um and, and like you know this is one of those movies where you can tell somebody like cut their uh, like got their start um with a play like playwriting it's 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 a really but it's it's not claustrophobic but it's very contained and economical um and uh brendan gleason and colin farrell are just perfect they're they're so good with one another and in it um i hope it does well i i hope that it like it doesn't seem like it's doing great right now but i hope it does well because it's a it's a really good movie and worth everybody's attention well uh on a similar note to that and then we can wrap up the show for the evening We've got two months left in the year 2022. Are there any films that either of you gentlemen happen to be looking forward to as we inch closer to the end of the year? Avatar. <laughs> oh, right. We yeah. said Avatar ahead. How could I forget the biggest There's movie your- of all time sequel is going to be dropping in, what is it, weeks? I haven't is seen it? anything about Avatar 2. December 16, uh, three hours. And that's just the second one. How about the third one? How about the fourth one? How about the fifth one, Hans? What's the general runtime here of the Avatar franchise? God, I don't, ooh, there's a, oh, it's a Will Ferrell Christmas movie coming out called Spirited. Um, it's that will bomb music- and he will do Elf 2 next year. This is a musical version of Charles Dickens' story of a miserly misanthrope who's taken on a magical journey. Cool. Yeah, it's going to bomb. It's an Apple TV movie, I think. Yep. Mm, That's the only place he will get work is Apple TV. Uh, John Wick 4. Oh, no, that's next year. Uh, Yeah, Puss in Boots. I feel like there's usually like a good cluster of movies that they hold on to for the Oscar run. And there's nothing. There might be nothing. I mean, the best may have arrived in the summer of this year. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything that's still coming out that I care too much about. Shazam, too. <laughs> got a Christmas movie called Violent Night. 
coming out. Is that with David Harbour? Might be. Yeah, John Leguizamo's in it. I know that much. Oh, great. <laughs> friend, of the sh- uh, friend of the show. <laughs> oh, The Whale. That's coming soon, right? That's Yeah, our pal Kino just did a video on The Whale. Again, haven't seen any. There's no trailer out for The Whale. There's only that one still of Brendan Fraser, and that's it. And yeah, we're just Dave, supposed to believe it's going to be amazing, which maybe it will. Probably will be. I like Aronofsky. Yeah, uh, there's uh, there's uh, who is she playing? Whitney Houston movie called "I Want to Dance with Somebody" that's coming out in December. Great song. Ba- Babylon, that uh, Damien mm. Giselle movie. I was excited for Babylon until I watched the trailer, and uh, it is not at least it doesn't look like the kind of movie I was hoping it it would be. Uh, But I'm glad that our, our favorite Eric Roberts is getting theatrical work with a good director. Well, it seems like he just did La La Land and then was like, well, I guess I'm just going to continue making movies that kind of look like this. And this just has biggest stars. And is it a musical? Is that what it feels like on the trailer? I don't think so. I think, you know, it's a movie about old Hollywood, but it's got that giant, prestige kind of over the top style that doesn't necessarily mesh with that kind of like how elvis handled itself um except elvis was terrific and this trailer looks like it's a movie that will soon be forgotten that's my take anyway yeah there's nothing here i just pulled up a list on movieinsider.com i don't know how reliable movieinsider.com that's the one i was looking at (laughs) <laughs> it's uh it's oh cool railway children broadway rising uh the eternal all these very popular titles everyone is highly anticipating uh women talking hans will you will you be uh checking out women talking <laughs> wasn't someone in the comments i think it was the last video said if we were gonna watch till <laughs> you guys M- gonna cover till. see that <laughs> emma till story or jesus something? you know i saw an interview with the director of that and she was like you know what? This is not a sad movie. We're going to start and end in a happy place. I was like, is that really what this movie calls for? The Emmett Till movie is going to be a happy, feel-good movie? I don't know about that. I don't know if that's the right... Look, ah. I'll be Did you remember uh, 12 Years a Slave was a comedy? Remember how zany and funny that? Starring my friend (laughs) Chiwetel Ejiofor, I went to the museum with today. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was great. Steve McQueen, what happened to Steve McQueen? He disappeared. He did, he did small acts for Amazon. Um, right. And uh, I don't think anyone watched it. I love Steve McQueen and I struggled to get through it. It's just, it's too much. Like it's dense and it's a lot of things. Like I got through Too Old to Die Young and I, I didn't make it through small acts. Um, See, I, I watched, I, I was, first of all, I was confused about what, what small acts was supposed to be because i think it was advertised as like what is it six or 12 films yeah as opposed to like a season of a tv show where he's just directing uh different segments and so i was like all right so did these count as like movies that i gotta put on my year-end list or something and which ones should i check out here this well suddenly now i don't have an obligation to watch the entire thing if you're advertising as 12 or six however many unique films so i watched one of them and uh, I thought it was fine, but I didn't, I, I kind of just thought it was aimless and it was like people vibing out. 
I couldn't even tell you the title. I don't remember the title off the top. Is it the one head. about the restaurant? No, they were like throwing a party or something. Like in the street. I don't rem- I see. I don't even remember. Mm. Let me let me. The lovers rock. Yeah. Single evening at a house party. Yep, that's right. That is the one I checked. At out. some point, I'll go back and watch them because I'm sure there's stuff that like I'll enjoy in there. But it was really like it. It threw me. I, it's a lot. It's a lot of watching. Yeah. What is Windows? Have you guys seen Windows? Uh, movie you mean Widows? Sorry, Widows. Widows. Yeah. Uh, no, that was his his attempt at doing like a commercial film in the U.S. Uh, where I think the premise of that, and correct me if I'm wrong here. Premise? Yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> is the, the gist of the film is that these uh, widows, you know, their husbands do a bank robbery or something and then die in the middle of it. And then they try to like finish out the bank robbery. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't oh. watched it. Oh, that doesn't. Colleen Farrell's in it. Daniel Kaluuya. Robert Duvall, his corpse still dragging out. Actor yep. Liam Neeson. Yep. So, uh, hopefully he'll he'll come back and do something. I mean, doing five feature length films in a year probably takes a lot out of you. So, oh, Gillian Flynn wrote the script to that. Mm. That's peculiar. All right. Well, according to IMDb, he's shooting something right now called Blitz. Starring, I, I can't say this girl's name. Uh, the girl from, uh, you know, that white girl, Sarah, Sarah Ray. The Secret Sarah, World of Alex Mack. Saoirse. Her name is Saoirse. Oh. Is that how you pronounce her name? Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. Then why is it written with the wrong letters? Because it's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, her. <laughs> I wasn't even going to try to say her name. Yeah. And it says it's. Uh, you're gonna have all a hell of stories. a time with Banshees of Inner Sharon. <laughs> it's just a bunch of names like that. There's a lot of Irish names in that movie. Yeah. Uh, he also so did he's a, working. So I he did a documentary stuff. in 2021 called Uprising. So I guess he was dabbling more so with television, which I think is a poor decision for any of these auteurs. But uh, him anyway. especially. Yeah, I think his talent is definitely grounded in doing. Um, doing 90 to two, 90 minute to two hour singular features. Um, I thought Hunger especially was terrific. Hunger is uh, one of my favorite movies. I, I recently rewatched Shame um, and I really like that too. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see something like that from him again. Something just like brutally punishing to get through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a reteam with Fassbender. I don't think he's up to much either, right? His whole career got derailed when he did that adaptation of what was it, Assassin's Creed or something? What the fuck was uh, he thinking? Didn't that he movie? also do that uh, Iceman movie? Wasn't no, that no, 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 Snowman. 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 And I'll tell you what, yeah. I think the Snowman is a fun movie. I do. never saw it. It's well, he's doing. Oh, he's going to be in Kung Fury too. Why? Uh, that's where that's where his career is right now. Uh, he was going to be in The Wild Bunch. With good. Peter Dinklage. Good. <laughs> I'm happy for him. That's that's wonderful. Uh, he'll be on Cameo.com before you know it. He'll be doing a season of Celebrity Big Brother before the Well, I think his, his, his big mistake was going into franchises, right? So he did X-Men. 
then he did Assassin's Creed, then he, he did those alien movies. He's really good in those alien movies though. He's like he's like a shining light in those movies. Yeah, I, I just I guess the was... second one. The second one was I don't think it was bad as far as like a like horror sci-fi film goes, but if you have Ridley Scott doing an alien installment, that should have been much better than what it wound up being. And yeah. 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 I just think that his career was going so well. Well, actually he did he did do Jonah Hex. But besides that, he's correct. Well, that, like hold he, on. That, that's that's the kind of the beginning of the career, though. So he was taking parts like that, sure. I mean, Josh Brolin also did Jonah Hex, right? So it, it, you, you can't really count that as a misstep if, you know, he was still on his way to being Michael Fassbender right. household name. Right. To, in the States. You in mean. the States. Yeah. Uh, similarly, James McAvoy also disappeared. Anyone who touched the X-Men franchise during that non-Brian Singer period had their careers wiped out. Um, yeah. All right, 2022, it looks like this year is up. This year is over. We got a Christmas story, Christmas. That's the big anticipated film uh, on the docket. Maybe maybe we'll do a, maybe we'll do a, a Christmas story uh, retrospective. But just the sequels, just all the part two. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I've never seen a Christmas story. What? what? Really? Yeah, that's one of those that I just same with like right. Indiana Jones. Or... Well, now you got to include that one since he's never seen it. Nope. Oh. No, it's just going to be <laughs> just, two, part two, part two, and part two. Summer story, part two. <laughs> <laughs> part two. Uh, I think it'll be a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, look forward to that this Christmas on movies. So, all right. That has been movies for this week. Frank, thank you for coming by and Thanks discussing Barbarian with us. Um, and uh, I look forward to the next one. And again, if you have any spawn updates, please DM me. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll text you all the secret spawn news. Awesome. Uh, all right. That has been the program. Thank you guys for watching and for listening.